This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. The Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum from Duke University. Round of the break for the Celtics. Goes around the world. Oh, the circus game in the Boston. Walker for three. Kemba Walker from downtown. Tatum drives down and throws it down. Wow. Rebound. Gordon Hayward for two. Gordon Hayward with a corner crash. No block. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, Celtics beat writer for MassLive.com. I am joined, as always, by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe. Nicole, how are you? Pretty good, Tom. I'm currently on Cape Cod. Oh, look at you. Just uh, hanging out at the preferred destination of uh, Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. What are, you, uh, what are you doing on Cape Cod? Are you just hanging out or what do you... Uh... Yeah, so my family has a house here. So sometimes I just come down here to, you know, get away from the city. That type light. of thing. Yeah. But I'm not really a big... I don't want me being on Cape Cod to then mean like I'm really big into the 4th of July because I'm not. Like <laughs> that doesn't... The, there's no correlation there. I got you. I just wanted to take advantage of the long weekend. Personally, not a big holiday person in general. Um, that was one of Kyrie's best takes, in my opinion, was that <laughs> holidays are a construct. So, but yeah, how are you? How's your weekend? Yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm also not a 4th of July guy, but mine is mostly because I have a like seven-year-old dog who, you know, I mean, it's the same complaint that every dog owner has every 4th of July. A big 4th of July event is when she decides halfway through the evening that she's going to move to the other side of the room and cower in that corner instead. So, but I, uh, more of a holiday person than you are and yeah. more than Kyrie is. I do, I do like some holidays, although I agree with him on Thanksgiving. That's trash. And <laughs> so on that <laughs> note, <laughs> we are going to do something a little different today. We have a couple of guests who are going to come on. We reference Weird Celtics Twitter constantly on this show because Nicole and I are both very online. And so is Weird Celtics Twitter. So we wanted to, we obviously we had the Riffs man on. Today we're going to have a couple other guests on. We're going to have, I guess I'll introduce them by their Twitter handles, Jack underscore Michael 17. And we're going to have Sam Sheehan. So we're going to talk to both those guys. We will first take a brief ad break here from Bet Online, And when we come back, you will hear from Sam and Jack. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. 
Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, guys, welcome back. We are thrilled to be joined by Jack underscore Michael 17. First things first, can you just kind of introduce yourself a little bit, like where you're from, how you became a Celtics fan, and how you sort of gotten involved in, uh, you know, weird Celtics Twitter as a whole? Yeah, of course. So I'm, I'm originally from New York. I went to school in Boston, so I graduated 2019, so I lived up there basically the last four years. I'm a Celtics fan because my dad was, or is, I should say. Uh, he, he was born and raised in Brooklyn, but he was a Celtics fan, so he kind of just passed that on to me. So I had a built-in excuse, you know, being a Celtics <laughs> fan in New York. But yeah, so uh, like you said, Jack underscore Michael 17 from Twitter, like that's really how my Celtics fandom, I guess, blossomed even more starting probably in around 2016, 17-ish. You guys have discussed the Riffs man. He's, he was kind of the, the window into the world of Weird Celtics Twitter. Kind of when we, I guess, I guess you could say we kind of started, you know, Weird Celtics Twitter around 16, 17 season as well. Uh, the really good Isaiah year. And that's really it. It was really just, you know, kind of posting along with the Riffs man, Sam Sheehan, you know, guys like Brian, like he's piped them too like just for all these years and, and now look what it is now we're on big podcasts big official podcasts so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the big official Gino time as we've <laughs> so are you not a Nets fan like at all is that like a part of your bit so I mean during like the uh which season was it it was the 1819 season my dad still being he still lived in New York obviously uh, so he started watching the Nets more obviously because a lot of people did end up having problems with last year's Celtics team so he started watching the Nets more I watched them with him and like obviously you know when when they moved from New Jersey to Brooklyn like him being from Brooklyn like born and raised he lived there his whole life basically he kind of felt a little connection to it so you know through him and and last year they had just a fun team obviously you know they they got beat really bad in the first round but it's mostly a bit like I am a Celtics fan (laughs) I couldn't tell which fandom was the bit whether it was the Celtics (laughs) fandom or the Nets fandom and then when Kyrie went to the Nets I was like okay now I'm really confused (laughs) yeah sometimes sometimes the bit and the reality does get a little confused sometimes even I confuse myself but yeah I'll put it on record the Nets fandom is mostly a bit I do like Kyrie still Uh, I'm a big fan of it still definitely justified in your confusion potentially so On the Kyrie thing, I I do think it's interesting how many members of sort of weird Celtics Twitter like still like kind of appreciate him. You know, obviously Celtics fans at large, he's like public enemy number one. But he like he is obviously still so much fun to watch. He's such a talented dude. He's such an interesting guy, like in terms of like the ideas that he comes up with. What is it that still kind of appeals to you about him, despite the fact that, you know, he did leave your favorite team for your other favorite team? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like aside from the bit thing, like, you know, it's it's he was top 20 to 30 player both years for the Celtics like obviously yes he did get injured the first year like there was nothing we could have anyone could have done to control that right you could even say if he didn't throw that lob pass in Cleveland you know in the first game everything would have came out differently the Celtics would have won 69 games and won the championship but I mean he's like he's a great player and then I learned I think it was during the 2016 finals because up until then I did not like Kyrie Irving I hated him. I thought he was overhyped. I was like, this guy, he stinks. Isaiah Thomas is way better. But then during the 2016 finals, I learned that his dad went to BU and that his dad's <laughs> numbers retired at BU. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe he's, maybe he's cool. Then it was like, he got traded to the Celtics. And I was like, oh man. Cause you know, a lot of my friends at home, they knew that I had a long, you know, kind of hatred for Kyrie and they kind of made fun of me for it but it like it just comes down to he was a great player he was a ceiling raiser like you knew that having Kyrie on the floor in the playoffs you know obviously did not work out as planned but you know having him on the floor in a playoff series with a really good team is going to raise a team ceiling and make them really really good 
he was a really fun player to watch. He's still a really fun player to watch. He's a really good basketball player. And I just, at the end of the day, like, I just like watching good basketball players. Um, did you meet Terry Rozier while you were at BU? <laughs> I met him twice, actually. How did that um, come about? It wasn't, it wasn't like some sort of like fade encounter. It was both like planned events. There was one, it was like, a, um, I forget what the first one was. The first, I forget what the context of the event was, but it was, it might've been like after the Celtics open practice in 2015. I was a freshman in college and I just met him like it was an event like I think I think I had to buy a ticket for it but I was like you know why not like I'm, I'm just a college student I don't need money um <laughs> and then the second time was my junior year it was like an autograph signing event and at that point I was like yes I'm definitely paying the money to see him <laughs> um funny story your prior guest Jam Packard uh will appreciate this one because he's the one who kind of coined the name Tito for Terry so I, I went up to Terry and, and Terry had been pushing back in the locker room, I think, against the name Tito or he didn't like to be called it. So I asked him, I was like, Terry, why, why don't you like the nickname Tito? And he's like, I like my liquor dark. <laughs> and like, so just to come up with that, like on the heat of the moment, like when just some random kid asked you it at an autograph signing event, it's just so amazing. But yes, so to answer the question, yes, I met Terry twice, both planned events though. <laughs> Terry was great, man. He was like, he was just like, he was very quick with that kind of stuff. Like he just always had a response for things. I remember one time I was talking to him about something and I, I think I was doing some dumb story angle. It was before we all knew that there was like tension between him and Kyrie. Like none of us like knew that at that point. So I said something to him about like, do you like learn anything um, from Kyrie from like watching him? Do you learn like moves or anything like that? He's like, man, I've been hooping for like 20 years. Like, I don't, I don't need that. And I was like, oh, okay, that's my bad. Uh, let's pivot uh, <laughs> here because <laughs> he was not having any of that. We're going to get back to some basketball in a minute here, but let's talk, uh, let's talk about some of the other stuff because I feel like there's like weird Celtics Twitter, but weird Celtics Twitter talks about so much stuff that isn't Celtics, isn't basketball. I think that's part of what makes the community a lot, a lot of fun. You are like, I think probably the preeminent Ryan Johnson fan on Twitter. Can you tell us about how you've turned him into a Celtics fan? Yes. I mean, and I'll, I'll kind of preface this saying it was not a sole effort on my part. It was a, it was a group effort, but to kind of give the background for, for people who don't know, Ryan Johnson, he's a movie director and kind of specific to this story. He directed the eighth Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi, um, which is a movie that I really, really enjoy. I like the movie a lot. Quick interjection is that I told Nicole, well, we're going to have to talk about The Last Jedi before. And she was like, well, that's going to be you because Nicole has not seen The Last Jedi or any <laughs> movies really besides Knives Out. So anyway. So I will say that I think I saw Knives Out purely from like your tweeting. Like you posted it into existence. Like I was going to the movies. I forget when it came out. Was it like over the holidays? It was in November. So I was going to the movies. November. And my mom was like, what do you want to see? And I was like, I guess Knives Out. <laughs> because, like, <laughs> I've because seen it a lot. Back underscore Michael 17 has tweeted about it so many times, Mom. You don't understand. It was filmed, filmed in Massachusetts, all in Massachusetts. Yes, like, Ryan was true. there, like, in, like, I think early 2019. Late, yeah, late 2018, early 2019. So, and that, and that, that also, like, you know, that's a good point because that kind of plays into it as well. So basically the way it started was we just started tweeting at him about the Celtics. Like I would just reply to his tweets. I'd be like, hey, Ryan, did you see the Celtics play tonight? You know, they, they beat the Sixers by 10. And I'd get like a favorite maybe. He'd favor the tweet. I'd be like, oh my God, it's, you know. So then it eventually evolved into just people would, every time he tweeted, like people would just kind of, and not just like me or people like, like I see people like I don't even follow. <laughs> that are just like in his mentions being like Ryan the Celtics for the Lakers next Wednesday you should watch it um so so it, it evolved into just people tweeting at him and tweeting at him and tweeting about the Celtics like to the point where so he would respond to us he's responded to me a couple times the best one to me was like I think it was during early in the 2018-19 season 
it was a Celtics Sixers game. I was like, hey, Ryan, the Celtics playing the Sixers this weekend. You should definitely watch it. And his response was, look, this might eventually work. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then I remember in March 2019, Zach Kondratenko at Zach Kondratenko, he tweeted at Ryan about the Celtics. And Ryan responded with a screenshot of like his iPhone home screen and it had the Celtics app on it. And then I think during the past season at some point at Handsome Jake tweeted at him about the Celtics and and Ryan said, or about weird Celtics Twitter and Ryan said, I love you guys. (laughs) So like it was, you know, as with a lot of stuff with weird Celtics Twitter, it, it starts from, you know, just kind of a fun bit. And then it becomes reality to where now Ryan Johnson is a Celtics fan, despite having told us that he grew up as a Laker fan in the 80s. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the wild thing I feel like about Weird Celtics Twitter is that you guys have kind of a way of like actualizing things. Like you'll see like Abby, like uh, Abby Chin, you know, sit down with Marcus Smart and just like start showing him Weird Celtics Twitter (laughs) memes on air. And it's like, but the the Ryan Johnson one is crazy to me because like NBA players, there is sort of a direct pipeline for you guys. It's like, you know, you guys tweet about that stuff like they see it or, you know, like you guys tweet about it enough that like some reporter is like, hey, have you seen Smart? Have you seen Time Lord or whatever? But like Ryan Johnson is like, that dude directed Star Wars. <laughs> Not only did he direct, direct Star Wars, he directed the best Star Wars, in my opinion. Like he's, I mean, he's, he's directed like amazing movies. And yeah. you guys have just like gotten through to him like, hey, just watch the Celtics. I think one of the things that always I always enjoyed about that is that you just did it with such like overwhelming, obnoxious positivity. You were just like, we love right. you, man. We love you, man. You're so good. Like you should like the Celtics. So I don't know. I always, I always appreciated that about the way you guys went about that. It was very funny. Yeah, I mean, it's like, there's ways of doing things. I'm like, you know, online tends to be like kind of a cesspool and, and, yeah. and Twitter can sometimes, you know, devolve into just, just not fun. And and so it's like, it's nice to have like, in the Ryan Johnson thing, like a specific incident of it, but also on the whole weird Celtics Twitter, like just kind of a wholesome sort of environment. That's not, there's no animosity, there's no hatred. It's not like we're bashing other teams or other players, like just from the Ryan Johnson is like, it proves like, yeah, I was in his mention. Like, obviously it's, it's not to the level like sarcasm because sarcasm has like the intention to like be negative almost but like just like jokingly I guess like be like I hope you're enjoying your evening you know if you want check out the Celtics game tonight 7 30 eastern time I know you're in California so 4 30 pacific so (laughs) you know if you have time just just check it out like I think you'll enjoy it um and like it worked like he's a smart guy I'm sure he could tell that we're you know joking or doing a bit but I also think he could tell that we're not doing it to be like assholes (laughs) <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. You're doing it because you genuinely enjoy his work. And like, right. th- and the thing about Twitter is that like, people can say like, I don't check my mentions. I don't look at that stuff. But of course they do. And of course they're seeing it. And if it's like a concerted thing, like day after day after day, I feel like it's got a decent chance of working. Like, which I feel like could be a lesson to everybody who posts. Be nice. And like, you might actually like get cool things to happen for you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just don't be, don't be an asshole. Like, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Nicole, did you want to ask about Mamma Mia? Because I have no takes on Mamma Mia. Okay. Or- so I love Mamma Mia. I haven't seen any Star Wars, but can you pitch Tom on watching Mamma Mia? Okay, Tom, have you seen, you've seen neither of them? No, and, I, and I, the thing that you need to keep in mind with your pitch is that I do not like musicals. Mm. You're a musical guy. You play guitar. Yes. You play instruments. True. You're into music. Do you like you, ABBA? Yep. So I was telling Nicole, I, when I was in like late high school, early college, I played in like a pop punk band and we covered Dancing Queen. Oh, that's cool. Um, which is the only thing I know about ABBA or Mamma Mia. Also the, or worst, the worst song on the soundtrack, in my opinion. <laughs> it, was good in my, it was good in the second one. Okay, yes, true. It was, it was also good as a pop punk song, if you guys wonder. <laughs> okay, so. so I mean, <laughs> so I mean, I guess my pitch would be like, okay, so you've obviously seen like, there's like backlash against like Hamilton. People are like, oh, it's just like fake. But like musicals aren't meant to be like some statement or musicals aren't meant, they're just meant to be like, 
I'm just gonna watch this. I don't have to really pay attention. I just know I'm gonna have fun. I know it's gonna be awesome and I'm just gonna smile and there's gonna be music and, and Mamma Mia 2, two of the actors in Mamma Mia 2, one of them had major part, one of them had like a slightly, uh, he had more than just a scene. They were both in The Last Jedi. Ooh, okay. Um, but I mean, like at the end of the day, the pitch for a musical and, and Nicole will be behind me on this. It's just, they're just fun. Like, it's just, you know, it's just like, you don't have to watch with an eye towards like, oh, I need to investigate the dialogue or really look into it or, or kind of be worried about. It's just, they look good. It's, it's just like a ton of corny people on an island in Greece sing. Like, okay. it's, it's Very just scenic. like. Yeah, exactly. It's it, They look really nice. Like a bunch of just like hot people on an island in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> Singing all the songs. Well, I will give you this. How right you were about Knives Out and how right you remain about The Last Jedi makes me think that I should maybe watch it a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll keep you updated. Last thing here, and then we'll, uh, we'll let you go. Let's, uh, you and I share a lot of opinions, actually, on the, uh, the 2021 NBA draft class. I love Jalen Green. You also love Jalen Green. Tell me about Jalen Green. I'm, I'll start this off by saying that, like, my kind of venturing into the world of, like, scouting high school prospects. Also, you'd be surprised, started as a bit. Um, <laughs> that, like, I was just kind of scrolling my Instagram feed one day, and, like, Slam Magazine was posting about all these guys. Like, they had some sort of event last summer, two summers ago. Um, where they brought all the top prospects to New York and they played games. And when I first started seeing these things, like I was thinking to myself, like, obviously I understand that like high school scouting is a thing, but like to see like Slam Magazine, like really, really like hype up like 15 year olds, like there was, it was a little strange to me. So I was like, that's a little weird to me. Like how kind of hard they go for it. Like great for the kids. They're getting exposure. They're getting, assuming free stuff. You know, they're oh, probably yes. moving up the high school rankings just because they're going to these events. So like great for them. Just from my perspective, from the slam perspective, it was a little weird. So it started as a bit. And then I got to talking Max Carlin, who I'm sure you guys are familiar with. Got to talk with him more. He's, he writes for Celtics blog. He's into this whole scouting world. He knows all the prospects, college, high school. Like he talks about like guys that are, you know, 2025 draft prospects from <laughs> Latvia. Like it's, he, he knows, he's, he's a really smart guy. So I just got to talking to him more and he would like give me games to watch. And I'd start watching games and I'd start watching prospects. And I don't really know much about the 2020 class. Like admittedly, like I work a full-time job. Like yeah. this is not my job. <laughs> I do this in my free time. Like I do this for fun. Like I'll just watch a game if I'm like on the phone or something or whatever I'm doing. But yeah, the 2021 class, really, really good to get back to your question. Jalen Green, like he's just so kind of perfect for like this era, like incredible athlete, right? Just perfect for like highlights, but also like a really, really, really good player and seems to be just like a really, really cool guy as well. Obviously, like breaking that mold of high school to, to college to NBA, like going straight to the G League and, and kind of being a pioneer in that regard. But like, yeah, 2021 class is awesome. Me and Max have concocted many, many a scheme to get one of the top prospects to the Celtics. Uh, I'm not going to go into them on the air because people get mad about one of them. He's made a trade that, that Celtics fans wouldn't necessarily like. Uh, not, not to call you out. Sorry, Max, if you're listening. No, no, no. Who is, so who is the centerpiece of it? It was Marcus Mark. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So one of the things I love about Jalen Green, and this is kind of to your point about like some of these young guys is like, they are just kind of like cool. Like you can yeah. see why they get hyped up because they just have this like, even like the corny stuff he does, like, like, I feel like his like unicorn, like celebration. I'm like, all right. But then like when he does it, it's like, no, like I kind of get it. I get why people think that's cool. Like, and, yeah. and, he's, and he's just such a, like the way that he dunks, the way that he just kind of floats. He's got kind of that Zach Levine, like skinny floating for dunks type of like athleticism. That's really cool to watch. I, I, I think he's awesome. Then I've seen you and, and Max obviously posting Cade Cunningham who I, I just think is like he's gonna be such a star like obviously it's incredibly unlikely the Celtics would get either of them but if one of them was gonna be a Celtic if they had the number one pick who, who would you take if I had the number one pick I think I'd do Cade 
Yeah. Um, I think that's just like, he's just like, cannot miss. Like just, he checks every box. Like obviously Jalen is an incredible player, like, but he still has some area like decision-making and passing and defense. But like Cade is kind of just like the full package. Like, you know, he's going to be an incredible player. But I just think like Jalen's just so cool. Like he's yeah. just like, if you just want to like add like the cool factor to your team, Jalen Green's your, your way to go. <laughs> Any, anything else that you want to, uh, that you, uh, want to touch on, you want to share about yourself, that you want uh, people who are listening to this to, to know about yourself and uh, Weird Celtics Twitter? I mean, not, not that much. You know, I will say, so on your episode with Jam, uh, I do, I, I have to go against that, that Granny Smith apples are bad take. I'm not a, sorry, <laughs> like, I love Granny Smith apples. Like Jam said, all apples matter. Um, <laughs> uh, Honeycrisp, probably number one, but, but I think Granny Smith are definitely up there. We, we should probably pose to you the same question we posed to Jam. Uh, you have to choose between um, Riff's man squishing names together or uh, Sheehan's uh, high hopes dance. With the caveat that Sam Sheehan did say that the Riff's man was the clear choice, which I don't necessarily agree with. I think they're both iconic. Yeah, I mean, obviously, okay. I'll say Riff's man uh-huh. only because I don't think the Sam Sheehan high hopes video happens unless weird Celtics mm. Twitter happens. Yeah. So without Riff's man squishing names together and Smarf and everything that he did, obviously Sam had a part in that too. Of course. But without without the foundations, you know, one of the pillars of Weird Celtics Twitter being started, I don't think the High Hopes video happens. Maybe if Riff's man doesn't squish names together, people judge doesn't even run for president. <laughs> like we don't know. You don't so, know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it, there's a whole world out there that we don't know what could have happened. So that's obviously Sam Sheehan. Love you. Great guy. But I have to go with Chris Man as well. All right. Well, that's fair. Jack, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Follow him at Jack underscore Michael 17. You definitely should. And when we come back, we will talk to Sam Sheehan. Hey, everyone. We're pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal, Stories of Soccer Legends. Narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly, each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Haaland, Zlatan, Messi, Rapino, and many more, each episode will focus on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and listen to Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, welcome back. We are thrilled to be joined by the one and only Sam Sheehan. Sam, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, uh, just loving... Uh, Loving everything. There's nothing, nothing really bad going on. So it's like a normal reaction, right? Yeah. The, the Bucks just shut down their practice facility. The NBA is still plowing ahead. Everything's excellent. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you coming on, man. We want to just kind of like take it back to basics here for a second. Um, how did you become a Celtics fan? What was kind of your involvement? Like, how did you get involved in weird Celtics Twitter? Uh, can you just kind of take us through that? Boy, why did I become uh, a Celtics fan? I, I'd say it's, it was probably like, the last like Boston sport I like got into like when I was like like I was like a kid it was like all Patriots from like 10 to when I got older and then like my grandfather was like a huge Sox fan so like 2000 heyday like 2003 2004 when in the stone ages when I was you know a child that was like when like those teams were running things then in like 2008 with like the big three I was like okay I like I enjoy sport (laughs) <laughs> I will, I will, uh, I will tune in to see this team that, um, that might win. And, and I really liked them. It was like, it was like fun. I enjoyed like getting to know basketball, like 2008, 
Like I like went out of my way to like go in like 2009. Go to, so some of those games, I think I went to Bulls Celtics game too. Is like the only playoff game I've been to, and that was a great one with Ray Allen and um the, that Bulls team that was just like such a weird collection of like castoffs. I think Ben Gordon was like their star. Like Derrick Rose hadn't like quite come into his own yet. And so then kind of from there, I just sort of like really turned into like a big fan. Like I got started posting on like Reddit and like trying to find other people on the internet to like talk about Celtics with. And that kind of like led me to writing about them a lot, like on the Reddit, like message board, like interacting with other people. That's how I got to know uh, Ryan Bernadoni, who some of you might know as Danger Card. is like the cap guy who's always talking about those things. He and I go way back to those days. And I kind of like retreated into that. Like when 2013 came, they traded everybody because <laughs> there was like, there's like no immediate hope on the horizon so you had to like find people to be like cow did you see jordan crawford got eastern conference player of the week <laughs> we're back baby we're back and you know just like kind of making heads or tails of like the arcane like that's when i learned a lot about like the salary cap and like started kind of getting my bona fides for like knowing about like actually how like business end of the nba stuff worked and that sort of all led to like me being on twitter and like posting about the games and I don't know as far as like joining weird Celtics Twitter it's it was such a weird it's such a hard thing to describe because I I feel like weird Celtics Twitter almost like doesn't exist almost it's sort of like it's sort of like a an abstract like mirror in that like everyone sort of loosely um knows what weird Celtics Twitter is but there's not anything you can I think really like definitively point to is like um, sort of what weird Celtics Twitter is, you know, it just sort of like sprung up around it. Like everybody was just like talking. It's just like all the same people that like, I like started talking to like way back in like 2013, 2014, and then like getting to know someone, I'll follow them. And then like, just sort of like you look up and everybody's posting about Gershon Yabuselli's ass, like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and it's like, you don't really know how I got there. And then there's like, I don't know, there's like Uproxx articles about how like we're all Marxists and it's like, yeah, that's true. But like, I didn't realize like everybody was like paying attention and like, when did that happen? So it's like a very organic, very uh, quote unquote weird community. For sure. I think that's a really interesting point about like people could see that there was this collection of like smart, strange people talking about the Celtics like, and obviously the memes, I feel like, were, were part of it. But I think too many people said that, oh, well, the weird Celtics people are people who just, like, they make weird memes and then that's all they do. And it's like, well, that, 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 that's not, like, the whole picture. And I think for some people, it, they feel like it is, if that makes sense. If, I, if you asked me to, like, sum up, like, weird Celtics Twitter, which is sort of what it came to be known as, I, I, I even didn't even like the name when that was, like, being used for it because it, like, made me think of, like, the heydays of like 2012 when like everybody was like doing like weird like fave star articles for like trophies to like yeah. get everyone like liking their tweets but i i did think i do think that like when you're talking about like if i were to like explain it to someone like what someone's talking about when they're talking about like weird celtics twitter it's just sort of like a collection of people like something that strikes me i think this is a good example like someone will ask me or tag me or something and ask hey who are like the kings to follow on like weird celtics twitter like who makes all the good memes who does all this stuff and you can't do it in like one tweet like it really is such an like organic network of like not even kidding like a hundred people you have obvious giants like the riffs man and yourself which i'm assuming you won't admit but go ahead yeah i I don't know i don't know the the riffs man's the king 
gets the golden rule or like or or jack i would say jack michael is a patron saint of uh um, weird celtics twitter you know and but then even as i say that you know i, I think of fraser as i call fraser, him fraser is another one there's um my fellow podcast host lucky's pipe like I, I don't even know where to draw the line there's so many people affiliated with it and i think it really is just a lot of people who like the celtics but also are extremely online and i think that that's just sort of like what happens when you put a bunch of people who are extremely online who like one thing together it's just weird stuff like that ends up happening for sure and that kind of leads me to my next question which was going to be like how much of it is just kind of a crossover of like a bunch of people from celtics reddit meeting the riffs man i think um at least as an origin story it's it's interesting because like I think having the riffs man on there like kind of pivoted me because like before that like you'll find my old bylines like I was like a Celtics writer for like a long time like I wrote for like Celtics blog and Celtics hub um, and that was you know something I wanted to do and like I think my time on Reddit made me much more of like a sort of a I would say more of an NBA conscious person like more of like an NBA writer someone um, got well versed in like stats and ins and outs and off ons uh, being on weird Celtics Twitter uh, gave me brain damage to erase all I got rid of all that so now I just I don't really know um, anything but at the same time I also do feel like I have achieved a level of attunement like I I have the absolute unshakable religious belief that Robert Williams is going to win us a playoff game at some point I don't know why I know he doesn't play very often but I'm positive (laughs) that it's going to happen um, a lot of people on Weird Celtics Twitter don't go by their real name. Like they have some sort mm. of persona, like Riffsman, Jack Michael, but you go by Sam Sheehan. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> like, why was that the choice? <laughs> I think it. I think it kind of goes back to reflect how this wasn't really the plan you know it just sort of like sprung up around me like I I was I was on Twitter back in like 2009 when it started like the other tweets from 2009 are like that old San Diego Chargers tweet about like my my wife is getting food from P.F. Chang's like from back when someone else had the Chargers like Twitter so I've been out here for a while if you go through my tweets I've got some real bad ones like really embarrassing like wow this is great. Drake really popped off with this one like in like 2009. And I think that's just sort of what ended up, what ends up happening. I just signed up. I was like a different person then. And I was like, oh, this is my first last name. I can have this. And it's just sort of stayed my thing. And I'm like, a, am a stupid person who like, it <laughs> just lets everyone know that I'm, uh, I'm this weird guy. But that's why I, I put the disclaimer on there that if anyone matches with me on a dating website, um, that's the wrong Twitter account. The person they matched with is normal. They're a normal person. <laughs> well, it's a great disclaimer. Uh, Nicole, of course, is wrong. You do have an alter ego, and it's the guy who voted for Mayor Pete. Well, what was that one like? The... Sam Sheehan, NBA. He's NBA, the that's the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, no, as Sam Tom Sheen underscore NBA, I have to say, I was a little offended by, but, you know, that's all right. <laughs> no, he's a, he's a real person. I, people think that that's me. It's just the guy who looks just like me, who loves uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, and well, he started out Beto O'Rourke, and then he moved to Pete Buttigieg, and um, now he will be voting for Kanye. Okay. Is, uh, <laughs> he's, he's seen the writing on the wall. Okay. Um, that's just sort of, I don't know, I guess that is another good example of how badly my brain's been broken, that like this Funhouse mirror came out where I was like, I'm sort of parodying who I was in 2014. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, they are just the same tweets that I had in 2014. <laughs> 
<laughs> for you, I mean, as a Celtics fan, you know, obviously just like from a basketball perspective, like what are some of your favorite Celtics players over the last 10 years, like some favorite kind of random Celtics memories? I, I really have a very soft spot for like the 2013, 2014, like pre-Isaiah Thomas Celtics, like, like the Celtics after the trade, but before Isaiah Thomas, because there was just so much like funny stuff that was going on. Like I have a very distinct memory of like one of my first Reddit posts, analyzing all these numbers and being like, Jared Sollinger is probably going to be an all-star. <laughs> and that was like the conclusion I took. And that was like, just like where everybody was. And I, I cause that's what you do when your team is bad. Like Chris Humphreys was like the best player on that team. <laughs> like unironically had like a very good season. Yeah. Like, out of nowhere. <laughs> like everybody loved him. Like everyone was like, ah, my Kardashian husband's coming in. And then, oh, <laughs> we love him. He's great. He plays so hard. So th- there's so many good ones. I mean, I think that there was like a, a Jeff Green, I think during that like 2013, one there's a Jeff Green beat the heat on like a fadeaway three at the buzzer and I think that was 2013 2014 it was like championship heat like LeBron James and everything like that and I remember thinking that was so funny that uh, a championship caliber team with like playoff like expectations got beat by a big game out of Jeff Green and then it was a lot less funny in game seven two years ago when the Cavs (laughs) Jeff Green was the reason that the Cavs beat us that was sort of like a circle of life, Jeff Green, like really twisting the knife in me for all of the mean things I've ever said about him online. So that's like a, a sort of a true duality of man, um, positive, <laughs> negative one. Gripsman has said that one of like his happiest moments was when Marcus Smart signed with Puma and in the Puma ad, there were like three references to jokes that he had started online. Is there a moment for you where you sort of like felt something similarly and like weird Celtics Twitter being acknowledged by like not <laughs> weird Celtics Twitter? Or yourself. The, the Riffs man has just these like lathe of heaven powers that I like can't compare to of <laughs> like making all of his things. Like, I don't know if you guys just saw, but he has like a 2019 tweet, uh, tweet saying that just Lane Maxwell's in New Hampshire. So this is just a great example <laughs> of like. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 2019 tweet that just lands in New Hampshire. Um, but but uh, I think a lot of mine are like um, recycled jokes from like 2014 Twitter, like about your wife being hot, uh, having a real hot wife who's definitely real, and um, <laughs> like not being mad online, which is all not like not my material, all like directly cribbed from like, you know, sort of 2012. So I think like if I had to have a, a legacy. I've had like, I think I've had like less impact on on the players directly, but I am, it is very like funny to see like a a whole generation of like Zoomers who like all of these like 18 year old, essentially children who were like born when I was in high school coming up and like doing the exact same thing and giving themselves the exact same forms of brain damage that we all gave ourselves. (laughs) Um, it, it, it does make it feel like, you know, there is going to be a continuity and that it, it is sort of funny that um, Celtics franchise will continue to have to deal with having like Marxist basketball fans be like a, a cornerstone of their <laughs> fandom in the franchise for like uh, the foreseeable future. So I, if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with that. Um, I think Drew Hanlon has blocked you, you mentioned. Yes. <laughs> How did that <Right>. come about? <laughs> I, so I went back 
Um, I've never tagged him. I've never been directly mean to him, but I did see there were two mentions. Um, I've only mentioned him twice on Twitter. I did the investigative footwork. One was I said that um, I think after it must have been after someone missed a shot. And I said that they'd been working out with Drew Hanlon uh, over the summer because I, I was I was not happy with how Jason Tatum had started his season that year. The other one was um, me and the um, Riffs man going on about sort of uh, what might have been Drew Hanlon's connection to um, Jeffrey Epstein um, and his uh, his his ring. So that was probably the one. That's probably the one that Drew found <laughs> kind of um, decided he that it would not enhance his online experience to be interacting with me anymore. Has your opinion of Drew changed at all now that Tatum is like, you know, a top 15 player and he's on his way to becoming an MVP someday? I've just been wrong about, I can't even speak on Jason Tatum anymore. I've, I've, I went all in in 2017 saying that it was a mistake to draft him and he's either going to be the best or even better franchise player that we've drafted since Paul Pierce. So I just got to, I just got to take my lumps on that one. Uh, Drew has has earned the right to uh, sort of uh, lord it over me. So he he wins that round. I had like somewhat similar, like not quite as like harsh Tatum takes as you, but, mm-hmm. uh, but I had like the same thoughts around that draft mm-hmm. of just like, he's a mid-range player and like a Kobe yeah. player at a time when like that has kind of passed the NBA by. It has been kind of a weird experience just watching him morph into this like hyper-efficient three-point shooter who gets to the free throw line way more often and like goes yeah. all the way to the lane. And like Daniel Tice like has these perfect screens for him and everything. Like it's been a bizarre experience watching that kind of morph out of this guy that was just a mid-range guy at Duke. And, and even on top of that, like what blew me away is just like, what strides he's made as like a help defender, particularly like on the weak side. Like yeah. he's just, he's such a, like a, a bramble. And I guess we should have seen this coming because I think the, the Bucks were doing their own, you know, like it or not, the Jason's kid style, hyper big, hyper long defense where everybody's, you know, scrambling around trying to like just be big um, and make it hard to get the ball to the weak side of the floor in like a, a quick way. So we knew that those big long guys are, especially when they have good defensive instincts, have a lot of value on the defensive end of the floor. So the fact that he's turned into not just like a scorer, because like I was concerned he'd be like Carmelo Anthony, like in a best case scenario, which yeah. I, I am not a fan. Um, <laughs> so to watch him sort of morph into this like kind of Titanic, like two-way player, like one of the better two-way players in the NBA is like the other thing, like he's a great rebounder. He's so good at everything. And I just, I go back and I watch those like tapes of him at Duke. And I understand that like, what was bothering him but it just seems like he did that specifically to own me Sam Sheehan like <laughs> to make me look stupid which honestly is a very good bit it's very funny and he deserves credit for that what were your uh, what were your takes on Jalen for the 2016 did you like him or was he uh <sighs> also not good <laughs> oh no <laughs> I, I didn't like Kelly Olynyk. I didn't like Terry Rozier I've had I've, I loved RJ Hunter so I've had a really bad time um <laughs> pretty much going back through all of my draft hopes are pretty much riding on Grant. Grant, I love Grant, and <laughs> I need him to be great. Also, as a Catan enthusiast, like, I think, Nicole, you, you've played Catan with Grant, right? Yes. Oh, he is very I'm, good. I'm so jealous. Like, I love Grant so much, and I, I, I need him to be good because I've whiffed on pretty much every every Celtic I thought was going to be good has been bad, and everyone that I thought would be bad has been good, so... I've done a bad job. I owe all of all of the Celtics a, a, a big uh, apology. Do you play Dominion? Uh, I don't play Dominion, but I saw that Grant. I, I know Dominion. I have a giant wall of board games. Oh wow! So Grant and I, um, <laughs> Grant and I would definitely get along. This is why I got to meet Grant so I can 
kind of put him on the right track. Dominion's fine. I want to get Grant involved with like Mysterium. I want to get him involved with Splendor. All all the good board games, um, Resistance, or even get, just get him into Magic the Gathering. Like let's let's really get it going, Grant. So apparently, when he and Kembo were living together, all they did was play Uno. Yeah. <laughs> Rules. Which <laughs> I guess is fine. That's so awesome. I love. Do you know Grant was like so happy? Like, yeah. like he was having a great time. And Kevin was so nice. Oh, I would do anything for like just a reality, like just a wholesome television show of Grant living with Kemba for two or three months or whatever that was. God, Honestly, it's one of the great tragedies of humanity that that footage has lost the time. It's a it's a huge swing and a miss on their part for like a content perspective. Like you could have just had like a like a ball in the family type like Facebook show or something. Like there was something there, and they just they just wasted it. <laughs> um, couple a couple more things here before we let you go. We wanted to ask. We we saw that you saw the discussion we had about the Riffs man's mushing names together versus the High Hopes dance. Can, can we get your thoughts on, on the debate there? I was being mean to Jam, but um, he he made the right choice. It's it's not particularly close in my opinion. I, th- I saw like four other people do the high hopes dance online mocking it before I just you know I, I committed a little harder than other people which is I think why that took off but the last name first name is such a I mean do, do you guys know the story of why the Rift Band started doing that? That's well, the- you didn't want people to name search? Yes exactly which makes it very important <laughs> and just so, like for example i could have dodged a drew hanlon block had i just implemented <laughs> the simple technique i don't think it works anymore though because oh, i searched no. like robert williams trying to find something one day and i saw <laughs> a tweet from riffs man that was like robert william well because so, it's like it's like google being like hey did you mean did, like did you mean robert williams here's a bunch of we included searches for robert williams for robert i feel like twitter's doing that yeah. too so well and it's uh, maybe it might just be the algorithm like learning like my phone if i want to say oh she's pretty smart it'll say smart it, it, <laughs> it, it always says smart there's no the autocorrect thinks that smart is more of a word than smart and quite frankly it is um which what what is your favorite non-time lord celtics uh, nickname I mean, there's so, I mean, Smarf, Smarf almost doesn't seem like a nickname, but more of a title like, <laughs> that you'd bestow upon your, uh, your Lord. Um, Smarf is like a, a term of endearment, similar, or like power, similar to like Kaiser or something like that. That's, uh, that's, so that one, that one feels like cheating. I don't, I, I, I probably, um, Jeans, the Jeans Cantor. I, I love, I love Jeans mm. Cantor. He's got the, those Jeans are great. And I, I think that um, Enos needs to bust them out more often, if we're being totally honest. He shouldn't let the haters get him down. I want to see the jeans more often. Flask Dad is probably the other good one. That's a that's a Rips Man special for Marcus Morris, who, by the way, um, is actually playing for the uh, Los Angeles uh, Clippers now. He got traded from the yeah. New York Knicks to the Los Angeles Clippers. <laughs> I guarantee you Ennis Cantor has seen Jeans Cantor. Like, he is the most <laughs> online human I've ever encountered on a like a like he has absolutely seen jeans can't that's so. probably that's probably not the Celtic I would want aware that I'm making close to <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure I asked him about his jeans once and his response just wasn't memorable enough that I don't remember what he said but he definitely is aware so the the last thing here that we wanted to uh, that we wanted to ask you about you I mean you are Admit it or not, you are one of the uh, the funnier guys like that are on Weird Celtics Twitter. What are some of the things that you like that you tweet about more earnestly? Like obviously, like political stuff. Like what what are some of the things that yeah. you uh, that you try to hit like and, and you're not doing a bit or whatever? Boy, um, 
when I'm not doing a bit, yeah, I feel like I'll that'll I'll dissociate if I <laughs> if I totally <laughs> let go of the rope. But I, I think that yeah, I'd say I'd say like politics is like a big part of it, and it just you know that that just kind of sucks to like say like I'm sure people who like aren't like hearing who are like hearing about like weird stuff on Twitter for the first time or something like that or like hear that and go like I immediately go to sleep like politics like in and of itself is boring and it's like people talking about it but I'd say it's more probably about human interaction I guess if I had to put like a a label on it sort of like recognizing you know the need for community like I don't want to sound like I'm an insta like um <laughs> like when there was like um one set of footprints in the sand that was me posting and carrying you like that's not what I'm saying but I do think that it is like it's important to like be aware of all the people that you are around you because we do live in this online time like especially with COVID you don't see people as much anymore you know you aren't connected to people as much anymore you know in particularly you end up with like the Marxist aspect of weird Celtics Twitter because there's a concept of alienation in there and what alienation is is you know sort of just you know feeling not connected to things you know feeling apart from things not feeling the community not feeling the as much humanity as maybe you would want to and i think that part of the reason that the nba in particular is such a good sport you know as a conduit for this is because it's the it's the sport where it's the most clear that it's like it's people doing it you know it's it's not like baseball stadiums are in these giant things with guys with ball helmets like NFL players, like, from afar, they look like that Fox robot that's, like, dancing all the time, <laughs> like, kind of on purpose. Like, the hockey players are all geared up and, like, two inches tall. Like, NBA players, you go to NBA games, and it's like, wow, that's a person. Like, an NBA player is a person. You know, there's teams are so much smaller than, like, baseball teams, and, like, you get to see these close-ups and these, like, emotional, physical expressions. You know, you get to know the players so much more, and that's why I think that that is – where a lot of the posting and why there is a draw to basketball in particular, like why this maybe might not have grown out of like, you know, necessarily like the Red Sox or the Patriots, because it is, you know, at the end of the day, people sort of finding community with one another. And I think that, you know, the NBA is a great sport to do that because it's, it's the most human one. I think that's, I think that's what it boils down to. And I think, you know, I think it goes hand in hand with, you know, the concept of alienation and, where we are, you know, as, as, as people in America today, you know, um, there's lots of reasons for people to be feeling alienated. Um, you know, I feel a lot of them are political and socioeconomic um, and other reasons, but I think that you, honestly, no matter who you ask, everyone's kind of on the same page, you know, regardless of political affiliation or anything like that. You don't, you don't have to be a Marxist to feel alienated in times like this, to feel like, you know, that there is sort of a drifting apart from other people, even before COVID, um, you know, due to technology and then really hitting home with, you know, the quarantine and like, you know, everybody has masks on, you can't see anybody's face, all this other stuff, you know, even before that, you know, just wanting to be part of a community. And I think that's a very human thing to want to, you know, be with other people, to make a connection with people. You know, I think a lot of us, you know, when we're thinking about big questions with capital B, like about life and what we want to leave behind. And if you sit down and you think about it long enough and hard enough, you know, you, you start to realize that there's not a lot of things that, you know, stand the test of time, like even countries, you know, come and go within like a hundred years. And kind of what you end up left with at the end of the day is, you know, the connections you make with people, like who's important to you, how you use the time that you're given to connect with people and, you know, make these bonds and feel like, you know, you had an impact. 
somebody's always, no matter what happens at the end of the day, somebody's always going to remember you. Um, and I think that that's a very human feeling. And I think that to go back to the NBA and, you know, just seeing the players, you know, when you go in person, when you see them on TV, the NBA's big selling point, why I think the NBA is the greatest sport and why I love it so much more is it's always, always, always exactly clear that, that these are humans. These are human people with feelings, emotions, just like you, you know, and there is a closeness that comes from that. And I think that's reflected in how, you know, the NBA wisely, in my opinion, markets players as personalities, you know what I'm saying, as, as right. people. You can argue about privacy and all that, you know, the, I, I think there's an interesting discussion to be had there about like privacy and like what it happens. But I, I think, I don't think there's any denying that a lot of NBA fans want to get to know, you know, their players. It's like, uh, I love knowing that Grant Williams loves Catan. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> like, well, but I think that's, I think that's a really insightful point too, because I think like, like for me, and I, I think this kind of goes for Nicole too, is like, like the types of stories that we like to write are a lot of the times these kind of like weird little stories. Like they're not like, like the huge breaking news, but a lot of times it's really fun to write these stories that are like, Hey, like, Hey Rob, what do you think about the Time Lord nickname? Like, Hey, uh, you know, mm -hmm. Hey Javante, you're really good at uh, Rubik's cube. And it is that kind of thing where I think that works in the NBA because of personalities and because it is like you said, you know, kind of the human sport where you can see people a little mm -hmm. bit more from like a personality kind of perspective. And I think that's one of the reasons why I have always had these concerns about like this restart is because it feels almost a little bit like dehumanizing because everybody mm -hmm. from the commissioner, even the players themselves want to do this, but it's all about like money. And I feel like that removes some of the humanity in kind of a similar mm -hmm. way. It really is a literal like mask off because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think everybody knows the NBA is a business at the end of the day, you know, and you see that with like, when players get cut and like stuff like that happens, but you, you were able to just kind of like put that in the memory hole and like bury it. But like when there's other things going on that can sort of, you can take a look at um, in the NBA, but you know, just sort of the constraint of COVID and uh, Toman Fertitta needing to uh, be able to make his next rent check. Like I, there's like the reasons are that much more clear. Um, and it does sort of give us less of a wiggle room to sort of convince ourselves to buy into, you know, sort of the, the initial framework of the NBA, which is, it's a business, you know, we can glean the humanity through the looking glass. But like you said, Tom, like in the, in the times of COVID, that looking glass is just so much smaller. It's way more of a people and you can't, you can't really see. So it's, it's tougher, tougher to get excited about it. Yeah. Unless the Celtics win the championship, in which case I take all of this back. Number one, baby, Boston Celtics. We love them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely well you guys uh make sure that you follow uh sam sheen i believe it's just at sam sheen is that right that is right the, a teenage youtuber who keeps trying to get it from me and little does he know i'm gonna get suspended someday and, and then won't be <laughs> really appreciate you coming on man thanks everybody for listening um you know feel free to uh give us a five-star rating and a review and we will talk to you all on thursday Annie had an earache on a Saturday of all days. So her mom brought her to Minute Clinic at CVS, where you can see a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials like pain relief products, all in one visit. Even on evenings and weekends, you can even see us online with telehealth options. For quality, affordable care on your schedule, visit Minute Clinic at CVS. That's healthier made easier. Services vary by location. See MinuteClinic.com for details.